Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buck fans, welcome back to a very disappointing losing edition of the upcoming of the No Quarter Given podcast, the three and three edition, uh, a terrible loss in Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Peter Blake, welcome in, Peter Blake, our my co-host, Mr. Yes. Blake. Yes, Ter- uh, terrible loss, a terrible loss. I don't know how you lose to a team that is I get it. They're desperate for a win, but they lost four in a row. They got their doors blown off by the Buffalo Bills. And you have that type of effort. You have that type of play calling. Brady didn't play well. The offensive line didn't play well. The defense didn't play well. I don't know where you, I mean, I, I guess Ryan suck up. If we're going to talk about kickers, he did. He did. That, was, that was the only thing. I mean, special teams had flaws, defense had flaws and offense certainly had flaws. No quarter given podcast. Part of the buckpower.com podcast network is being presented by Beefo Brady's here in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue over the Carrollwood Forest Hills area. Peter and I will be at Beefo Brady's doing a pregame show next Thursday for the Ravens Thursday night game. So definitely if you're in the area, come on out to Beefo Brady's, check us out, come say hello. We're going to be out doing a live streaming broadcast pregame. We'll probably do a little halftime for you as well. So definitely come on out to Beefo Brady's. They're our presenting sponsor. Appreciate uh, TJ Maloof and company over there uh, at the great new restaurant. Again, if you any any sports needs that you have watching NFL, college, NBA, NHL's going now. College basketball is going to be starting here soon. Definitely check out Beefo Brady's Bush Boulevard in Himes Avenue. Peter and I have been over there a couple times so far to do a couple uh, broadcasts. We'll be out there. Again, Thursday night, Buck fans, for the Ravens game. If you're not going to the game in person, come on. We're about two miles down the road, two, three miles down the road from Raymond James Stadium. If you, if you aren't going to the game, come check out the game at Beef O'Brady's Bush and Himes Avenue. And I heard we'll be outside. So we'll have the Wi-Fi out there. Of course, we'll have the PA system. We'll be getting everybody riled up. And hopefully the Bucks are coming off a win versus the opponent this week in the Carolina Panthers, because if not, and you wrote this, look, you wrote this game down as a win versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. There is no way in the world. The Steelers should have won this game. I still don't know how they won this game going back and watching the replay, but very simple. I mean, let's get, let's get into it. Let's break down the game a little bit here. First off where the game starts, give me your thoughts on the whole, Brady going to Bob Kraft's party on Friday night, flying to Pittsburgh, not with the team. Do you think that had that had any effect on the outcome or just the mentality of the team? No, I don't. But is it a good optic? No, it's not a good optic because at the end of the day, you see him and he's basically chewing out his offensive line. And then, you know, who holds him accountable? I get it. It's Tom Brady. Do I think that affected his play? No, I think he's actually hurt. And I also think he's being pressured by that offensive line, especially on that left side with the rookie and Hansy. So 
for me, at the end of the day, do I think it affected it? No. Is it a good look? No, because if you play bad like he did on Sunday, everybody is going to focus on that, and that's right. all the focus has been. It's not necessarily just the loss to the Steelers. It's the fact that he missed that time, and he didn't play that well. I don't think it was that big of a deal anyway because, I mean, let's be honest, and I know the flying with the team part probably is the one part that people can say, eh, that wasn't great. You don't – NFL teams don't do much on Saturdays at all. He didn't miss the Friday practice. He was at the practice, then flew to New York after the practice. Saturday's basically, I won't say a nothing day, but there ain't much going on on Saturday. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, whatever walkthrough stuff they went through on Saturday, I can promise you they did it 10 other times, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We find out that he went to go see his son uh, in New York. So, I mean – you know, at the end of the day, he's dealing with lots of stuff. He talked about this in training camp, how he's, what, 45 years old. He has lots of stuff in his life. And he didn't use the stuff. He uses the other word. Uh, and this is the kind of stuff that he's dealing with. And at the end of the day, you know, people kind of hold him up and say you know, to this pedestal that he has to play this way. He has to lead this team. But you also have to have some help. You have to have right. the offensive line help you out. And you have to have the play calling be there. You can't keep on running on first down and expect the defense not to catch up on it. It just becomes uh, so ridiculous at the end of the day because you kind of know what Byron Leftwich and this offensive staff is going to call. And Jason Powers, it makes no sense with three starters in that back end to not find Mike Evans. Only four targets in this game. That's crazy. We talked about Chris Godwin having a big game. We knew he was going to, which is a good thing. But Mike Evans is your most consistent guy, and you can only find him four times. How is that possible? That's not necessarily just on Tom Brady. That's on Byron Leftwich and this offensive staff. They have to get it worked out. Other teams in the NFL get it worked out. They're able to find their playmakers. And for some reason, this team is not able to do it this year. And I can't put my finger on it. Two things. One, let's go to the running game first. I don't, again, I don't love them running on first down as much as they do, but I want to see some more creativity in the run game. Speed sweeps, a reverse. Think not just the blast up the middle or off left guard or left tackle. Have a little creativity, a misdirection kind of stuff. I mean, and and again, Leonard Fournette's not going to run for 80-yard touchdowns. I mean, he's again, we know he's not that kind of guy. But you've seen him do some speed sweeps with Chris Godwin, Jalen Darden, those kind of guys. Have a little creativity in the running game where it's just not a blast up the middle on first down. Yeah, and uh, look, you know, uh, uh, Gadecki as, uh, you know, uh, Gadecki, excuse me, Gadecki on the left guard, he's not playing well. Hansy's not playing well on that interior. It's showing, and you continue to run on that side and have little to no success at all. I don't understand where the play action is at. Where are some of these wide receivers? Where is Russell Gage at? Is he still hurt? I mean, if he is, you look at free agency at this point, Jason. And I love Jason Light and what he did this offseason. But Logan Ryan is hurt. Yeah, you have Russell Gage that's hurt. Julio Jones, who's hurt, who hasn't seen Akeem the field. Akeem Hicks. I mean, it's been a complete disaster, if you will, earlier on in the season. And I get it. It's still early. But you wanted these main uh, players that you got in free agency to make these main contributions. And they haven't been able to do it because they have been hurt. That is not going to get it done at the end of the day. Well, Buck fans, I know we're going to wrap up the, the Pittsburgh game here in just a couple minutes. We've got an awesome Bucks guest for you. Bucks. I, I, I can't call him a legend, but he was a really, really good player for the yeah. Bucks during the 90s under Sam Weish. 
and Tony Dungy. Kicker Michael Houston is going to join us. We just got done uh, chatting with Michael. You're going to really enjoy our interview. He really talks about his journey to the NFL, how we got to the Bucks. You know, the, during the rebuild with Sam Weish, Tony Dungy, the playoff game in 97 at the last game at Tampa Stadium. So you're going to really enjoy our chat with Michael Houston, who's going to be coming up in just a few minutes. All right, let's get to let's get to the defense mm-hmm. again. Let, before we get to the defense, one more question about the offense. Red zone again. Continue to continue to struggle. They can get to the. They drive the ball pretty decent from twenty to twenty, but when once they get inside that twenty, they just seem to bog down. I don't know. If, again, you got to force feed a ball to Mike Evans. Throw him a jump ball. We've not thrown the ball up to Mike Evans very often. We're not throwing very many deep balls, and maybe that's part of the offensive line. I get it, but but we've not pushed the ball down the field. And these defenses are really squeezing these the middle of the field, the Chris Godwin routes and the Russell Gage kind of routes. They're making it very difficult for us to, to get completions that that are that are typically been easy completions for the Buccaneers in the past. Well, not only is it missed assignments in the red zone at you know the critical times, which really kills this team, but it's penalties backing up five yards. And then at the end of the day, we talked about a Brady's injury. I mean, how much of an effect do you think that's having on him? Because he's not able to push the ball down the field. And just listening to Ben Roethlisberger and his podcast just a couple of days ago, he talked about it and he said Brady's body language doesn't seem like he wants to be there. He's in pain. He's afraid to get hit because of the pressure. I mean, is this finally, are we finally seeing Brady? Uh, and, and I hate to say it, is it, is it becoming a factor, not only the pressure, but is it the injury? Are, are we seeing the, the, the worst of Tom? The beginning Brady? of the end. The beginning, yeah, the of, the beginning end. of the end. Because I, I don't think he's Peyton Manning by any means, right? I mean, Manning's last year, nine touchdowns, 16 interceptions. I'm not going there. But at the end of the day, also, Father Time is undefeated. In your opinion, are we seeing that? I would love to see Brady over a two- or three-game period when he's really protected well to see what kind of numbers he can put up. He's right. not had the time that we that we're used to him having. Again, you're really starting to see the value of Ryan Jensen and Ali Marpet not being there. Yes. And again, nothing you can do about it. They're not being Jensen's not going to be there for a little bit longer. Marpet ain't walking through that door. You got Luke Gedicke's going to play. You don't have a whole lot of better options. Maybe yeah, the yeah. Bucks make a trade in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? But you know. You, you, Marpet's not walking through that door to help you out. I mean, you got to go with who you got. And I would say Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs, you got to play better. Yeah, you do. And, and that's the thing we didn't consider, right? Because Donovan Smith has that chemistry with Ali Marpet and doesn't necessarily have that with the rookie. There was a report today by Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports that possibly Ryan Jensen could come back in November. Right. Jason Powers, my tag team partner of the world. How great would that be to have Ryan Jensen back on that line? I mean, how much would that help out? And then who loses their job at this point? Is it the rookie? Is it Hansy? Who is it? And your opinion to go to that left guard spot if you get back Jensen by November. If Jensen comes back, the good thing you would have is an option. You could slide Hansy over to left guard. He might be a better guard than he is a center. Because, again, remember, you have to snap the ball. You have to make the calls as a center. Maybe he's more. he would be more comfortable as the left guard. Again, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's the swing guard. I don't. But again, you'd have some competition there that you'd have an option to go to if Gedeke continues to. And he's not struggling brutally bad, but he, in key moments, he's not playing well. 
Yeah, and that's not good, and that's the worst part about it. And, I mean, what did what was your thoughts on Brady basically chewing out the offensive line? Because I can remember two years ago this same type of thing happening uh, with the Chicago Bears, and eventually that offensive line was able to work out the kinks, and they were also able to go to the Super Bowl. And, look, we thought this team was going to be in contention this year. They have to score more points than they're scoring, but we still feel like they're in contention. So maybe this is a wake-up yep. call to that offensive line. Maybe this is a good thing. A lot of people are like, I hate when Brady does that. But It's a good thing. To- I have no problem with him doing he's that. None. To make the offensive line accountable. He's trying to hold everybody else accountable. And people will go back to the incident on Friday and Saturday Please. saying, well, who holds Tom Brady accountable? Well, he's the greatest of all time. Okay, he doesn't have to prove that he's accountable. He's always been accountable for himself. He's trying to raise the level of the yes. other players on this team. And if you're a fan and have a problem with that, either A, you're not a Brady fan, or B, you're absolutely blind because you don't remember two years ago with him doing the same exact thing versus the Bears on Thursday night football. And I'll say this, the whole Buccaneer team needs a kick in the ass, and maybe Tom Brady's the guy yeah. that has to do it, Thank whether you. it's they, they need that. They're pa- I'm not seeing a spirit out of them. No. I mean, they don't seem like they're playing with any joy. It's like they're just going, I won't say going through the motions, but, you know, play with some passion, but smart. That doesn't mean reckless personal fouls, things like that, unsportsmanlike, which by Devin White, I don't need to see that anymore, that crap. Make the tackle and get back in the huddle. How about that? Yeah, that's it. You know, don't do something to give that team second life. And then when you got a third and long, when it's third and 11, third and 13, third and 15, got to get off the field. And that goes back to Todd Bowles. And I tell you right now, Mike Tomlin outcoached this coaching staff. Can we we just admit now that when everybody was saying, you know what, it's going to be a smooth transition that B.A. really didn't mean that much to this coaching staff. Uh, He did. He gave them an attitude. He's the coach of the year. He won a Super Bowl, so it was a major loss. So at the end of the day, this coaching staff has a lot of work to do, not only the play callers, but every coach on this staff has something to do here. They got to improve. Everybody's got to improve. And I tell you right now, going back to special teams, I mean, you go into the the, the half. You can't give up a 90-yard kickoff return. Not only that, but Jalen Darden. Have we seen enough of Jalen Darden? Can we get somebody back there like Scotty Miller who can actually run straight ahead instead of e- running easy out of now. bounds? Easy now. Scotty I Miller, mean, easy. I mean, anybody at this point. I've I, seen yeah. enough of Jalen Darden. Every time Jalen Darden gets the ball, he's either running out of bounds or slipping down. It's almost like he doesn't want the ball. And I tell you right now, when you don't have that field advantage, when you don't have that field position, right. that also costs you. People don't look at that stuff, but look at where the Bucks have started off their drives. It's because of Jalen Darden. So can we get some? Can we get you back there? Can we get Eli <laughs> back there? Can we get Paul Stewart back there? Hell, I'll get back there. But please, can we fill the punt and have some positive yardage at this point? All right, listen to the No Quarter Given podcast. I'm Jason, along with Peter Jason. Blake. We're yes. being a little hard. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, I'm not, we don't want to be this negative. That's not our goal here, but you got to be truthful and you got to be realistic in what you see on TV. And I just don't, again, with the offense, let's run a fake punt. Let's run, let's do a trick play now and again. Something to get this, to get the, the excitement level of the, of the whole team up. And yeah. Again, I get it. You're not going to be, you're not going to be at your AP game every, for 18, 17 weeks. We get that but there's been too many weeks in a row where it's just been lethargic, too much lethargic play. 
Yeah, not enough let's go, not enough excitement. The defense is not getting enough constant pressure on the right. quarterback. What happened to Shaq Barrett? What happened to JTS? You know, people are saying, well, the Bucs should have JPP and Sue. Yeah, because that veteran leadership, but they lost a step. So, okay, you bought in, you went out, and you gave it. You said, you know what? Shaq's got big money. Okay, JTS is a, is a second. First round player. pick, first round what, pick. What's, what's he going to do? You know, what about Vita Vea? He got paid. Devin White, he wants to make money. These guys need to step up and play the defense they did when they won the Super Bowl. And if they right. don't, they're not going to be an elite team because you look at the New York Giants with a new coaching staff. You look at the Jets with possibly a new coaching staff. They're getting more out of what they're doing, and they have less talent than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Explain that to me, Jason Powers. The good thing is there's time. So, Buck fans, yep. don't, don't yep. let's don't lose hope. There's time. We still have 11 games left. We're in first place still. So, all's not lost. We just need to ratchet up the hatch, the ratchet it up a little bit if you're the Buccaneer. And I can promise you, they're being hard on the on the on the team. I can promise you that coaching staff is you could tell in Todd Bowles' comments, he's had about enough of the whatever, you know, living on the living on the, the, the laurels of the of the Super Bowl year, whatever that means, whether it's an effort level, a preparation level, you can tell Todd Bowles has had enough. Yeah, he has had enough. And I tell you, another disappointing thing was Cam Brake going out with a scary right. injury there, a neck injury. Right. More than likely, I, I'm not a doctor. Don't play one on TV. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night to know this. But I don't think he's coming back. I think you have to have guys like Coquif, Cade Otten, and Kyle Rudolph. That man is on a milk carton at this point. He's got to be productive. They've got to get more out of that tight end position because we know that Brady likes to go uh, in that intermediate range. And if they're not getting that, yeah. uh, then you're in trouble. Though I'll say, Kate Otten's playing well. He's catching yeah. balls that are thrown to him. Yes. He's going to get more and more touches. One more point, and we'll, and we'll get to, to Michael Hustad here. Would not shock me between you, shock me if, if Cam Brayton never plays another game in the NFL. This might be the end of the road, not because he'll get cut, but right. he he's had a concu couple concussions in his career. This neck injury would not shock me if he's on IR and he retires a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Who could blame him? And who knows if Rob Gronkowski is going to come back? I know your prediction was Halloween. I don't know if you watched the Fox pregame, but he kind of threw some water on it. Then again, he was kind of up in the air. So who knows at this juncture? And I continue to say this. If they continue to struggle with the score offensively or their wide receiving room cannot stay healthy, look out for OBJ. I don't care what Von Miller is saying he's going to the Bills <laughs> or the Chiefs are interested. If OBJ wants an opportunity to truly win a Super Bowl with the greatest of all time and Tom Brady, he comes down here and signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see. All right. Yep. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to enjoy this chat with Michael Houston. It's a uh, very in-depth chat about his career with the Bucks. So enjoy our chat with Michael Como Estahustead, part of the BuckPower.com podcast. That we'll be back. We'll be back with the with the uh, Carolina preview following the interview with Michael. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue for all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa. Definitely reach out Beef O'Brady's Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports 
bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, college football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. All right, welcome back to the No Quarter Given podcast. We have a great guest for you, a Bucks, a very, very good player in Bucks history, Michael Husted, former kicker of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Six years he played with the Bucks from 93 through 98. He, he uh, was an undrafted free agent out of Virginia, kicked 117 career field goals with the Buccaneers, played nine years in the NFL, six of them with the Buccaneers, kicked 142 field goals in his career, tremendous career, was a 1993 all-rookie team member, uh, all-rookie team selection as a kicker for the Buccaneers. Welcome into the podcast, Michael. Hey, man, Jason, thanks for having me, man. Excited to uh, share some stories and, uh, you know, talk about the Bucs. I hear you, I hear you. All right, first off, first question I got to ask you, man. How cool is it? How cool was it when Chris Berman comes up with Michael Como Esta Husted, nickname for you, very early on in your career? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a name that has followed me around. Um, I've met so many people that, you know, they'll hear my first name and they're like, no, you kick out, you know, in the NFL. Uh, what's your last name? And I'll go, Houston, like, oh, you're Como Esta Husted, you know, but. But in all fairness, um, I have a really good friend from growing up. His name is Paul Richardson. And he's the one that first came up with the, uh, the name. Okay. So, yeah, so we were in high school, and I took French, and he and a good buddy of mine, Corey uh, Carwell, uh, took Spanish and at, at the same time and across the hall. And they walk out of class, I walk out of class, and I hear him down the hall going, Como esta, my Gustav? You know, and... Uh, <laughs> So that happened way back in 10th grade, so it was at 90, 18, 1986 or whatever. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, one of the cooler names and, uh, you know, one the, you know, it's noticeable and I'm, I'm stoked to have. That's right. That's right. All right. So you grew up in Virginia. Is that right? Correct. Hampton, Virginia. Okay. So talk to me about your, I want to ask you about your Virginia career. You, you, you went and you played at the university of Virginia. You were teammates yep. with, with the, with Tiki and Rondé in Virginia, correct? Oh uh, no! They actually got in a year after me. Uh, I was I was a teammate with Rondé, obviously in, in Tampa. Right. Um, but you know, it was part of the Virginia team that we were ranked number one for three weeks back in 1990. We had Sean Moore, Herman Moore, Terry yeah. Kirby, Chris. Uh, they're from the Tidewater area. I mean, the list goes on and on. Is uh, you know, pretty pretty spectacular time and a uh, good time to be part of the uh, Cavaliers. I was gonna say that the game I want to re- recall was the the showdown you guys had with Georgia Tech. When you were like yeah. one in three in the country and all that good stuff in Charlottesville, I actually watched like an hour long documentary they did on like the ACC channel about that. Talk to me about you were in that game. Talk to me about that, that emotion of that game and the electricity of that stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're ranked first and, um, you know, Georgia tech, you know, obviously that's the year they went and had a co national championship with Colorado. Um, you know, their kicker was Scott Sisson who I'm right. friends with, um, you know, it was just back and forth duel. They, I think they had Sean Jones as their quarterback. Right. Uh, it was just a great game, and and you know that's what you that's what you live for. That's what you what, that's what college football is all about to play in these big games. And 
Um, you know, it basically came down who had the ball last, and unfortunately they had the ball last, and uh, Susan hit the game winner to beat us. I want to welcome in Peter Blake. Peter's my co-host on the on the No Quarter Given podcast. Michael Husted, Peter Blake, welcome in. What's Peter? going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, good, man. How are you, Peter? Good, good to go. Uh, why do you think it's such a, tough, such a tough transition for kickers from college football to transition over to the National Football League? You know, it, it's uh, it, it can kind of it goes either way, right? So um, it, it really it, it comes down to your mental state of mind and mental strength. Uh, you look at someone like Robbie Gould, who's been kicking forever. Uh, I believe he was like a sixty percent field goal kicker at Penn State. Right. Gets to the NFL and and you know look what he's done in his career. So and then the flip side is unfortunately you know someone like Robert Aguayo who right. you know, had a, a great you know college career. Um, get strapped a second by the bucks and then just can't get it together, you know? So it's definitely, um, there's a lot of pressure, especially when you're a high draft pick like that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of time pressure is what you put on yourself. Uh, you know, for me, I was like, you know, I was at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there was four of us in training camp. Uh, I was undrafted, you know, you had Eddie Murray, another guy to chase Bay had their draft pick now now corn and, and, and me. So, you know, it was more of the underdog, and I would always relish that underdog uh, position. But, um, yeah, it's totally 90% of what we do, and, and uh, you know, it separates the men from the boys. All right, so I wanna, that's when I, I want to hit on your journey to the NFL. Obviously, you were undrafted free agent. First of all, how many opportunities did you have? Was the Buccaneers the only opportunity that you had, or did you have an opportunity to pick the Buccaneers from a, a, from a couple of teams? Yeah, no, um, you know, that's a great question, Jason. And so – you know, after I, I was 13 to 16, my senior year, only did field goals two years, um, kicked off for all four and, and was known for, for my kickoffs. Um, and then so it was after our season was done and at that time, a lot of scouts start coming in, they're asking to look for film. And you know, like I said, that's when we had Terry Kirby coming out. We had Chris Slade coming out. Right. Uh, probably had, I think we had like five or six guys drafted. And um, our strength coach, Sean Gamble, one day pulled me aside and waited and goes, hey, Michael, you know, I know you saw these scouts coming in and you know, you're thinking they're after looking at these guys, but a lot of them were asking about you, you know, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I didn't get invited to the, you know, combine, didn't go to any of the all-star games. Um, and then we had our pro day. And so I decided, well, no one had requested working out the pro day. So when they're inside, you know, working all the other guys out, I just went in and went up to every single scout and said, hey, I'm Michael Husted, you know, kicker. Um, can I just get 15 minutes of your time when you're done here? Take a look at me. Uh, and only one team came out. That was the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, had literally probably the best day of kicking of my life. Um, the only kick I missed was 65 off the left upright. Um, I was drilling everything. Uh, he said, okay, give me three of your best kickoffs down the middle. I put them through the uprights. He said, all right, I'm going to go to the right side, you know, five yards deep in the inside. I want you to try to hit me. Uh, three kicks, he had to move out of the way every time. Same way going left. Uh, like I said, it's just it's one of those things like, I mean, I couldn't have kicked any better um, ever. And so uh, afterwards, he goes, hey, look, he goes, you can kick in this league. Uh, we have a guy who's all pro flawed with at the time. Yeah. He goes, but I'm going to go back and, and write up a great report about you. Um, all the teams get it. Uh, and so he did. Um, and the next thing you know, Mel Kuyper started to trip about me. Uh, and then the, about two days later, the uh, Bengals called me up and they want to work me out. So uh, Mark Braden was their special teams coordinator at the time. He, he comes in town, uh, takes me to the stadium, and uh, probably like 40 degrees and drizzly, brings out 
brand new, basically like K-balls. I mean, they're like <laughs> diamond shaped, you know? And back then you could use a three inch kickoff tee still. Right. And so you play, you know, I did, I did okay in field goals. There's a like, try to kick off and I, I looked at that thing. It looked like, you know, pair, you know, women's high heels, right? I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? You know, take them off, you know? And, and But uh, so I teed it up and, and I never kicked off the three inch tee. So I was just cutting underneath the ball every single time. And he was like, okay, well, thank you. And he's kind of got a card <laughs> and left, you know? Uh, then about a week later, um, George Stewart, who's a special teams coach of the Buccaneers, called right. me up. You know, big deep voice. Hey, Michael, it's George Stewart. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to come in town and tomorrow, and I want to work you out. I'm like, all right. So work out and, and uh, you know, start off kicking really well. Then a big storm kind of rolls through, so we have to go inside in the locker room. And about 45 minutes, and it was just us two, and, and we just started hitting it off and talking and telling stories and go back out and, and finish the workout and, and I had a really, you know, solid, solid workout. And he's like, Hey, look, I really like what I see. He goes, you know, you know, it's our second year coming in with Sam Weish and, you know, we're looking to find a young kicker that can grow with our team that we're trying to build. And I said, all right, you know, and so uh, the draft comes around and, you know, prior to every, you know, the year that I came out, the draft was 12 rounds. Right. And they cut it down to eight that year. Yeah. Um, and, and like when you get to the end of the draft, you know, the Dolphins were calling me, the Vikings were calling me, and the Dolphins had Pete Stoyanovich, you know, and the Vikings had Claude Revez. And uh, and then their last pick, Mr. Relevant, the Bucks draft there in Alcorn. Uh, and, and, you know, and but then the Bucks call. And so I told them, agents that I want to go to Tampa. I'm like, I don't care. They drafted the very last pick. They're trying to go young. Um, I think that's my best opportunity to make a roster this upcoming year. And so, you know, we signed. And then, you know, very next weekend was the mini camp. We actually had five kickers uh, at the time. We had Ian Howfield, Eddie Murray, from who'd been with Detroit forever. This guy, Tracy Bennett, and their draft pick, Darren Alcorn. And, uh, and then they only, they cut Ian Howfield. And they took four of us to uh, training camp. And, you know, so every day in, in practice, we were going live rush. You know, we each had four kicks and, um, you know, I think the first day those three guys go three or four and I go two or four and Jerry Angelo, you know, who's the player personnel director at the time comes up to me and goes, Hey, Michael, Jerry Angelo. I was like, Hey, nice to meet you. He's like, you know, you're at the bottom of the barrel here. You can't, you know, have any too bad, too many bad days. And I was like, nice to meet you too. <laughs> you know, and I kind of, I'm like, all right, here we go. Welcome to the NFL. And so, um, and I started, you know, getting on par with everybody else. And then we get to our first preseason game and, and we're playing the Broncos at home and, you know, like, well, how's our rotation going to go with four kickers? And right. so I, I ended up getting, like, you know, I think the second kickoff, you know, start second half or something. And they hit, like, 4-4, four, four, uh, hang time, like, four or five yards deep. And uh, um, come off the field, Sam Weiss comes up and goes, hey, man, outstanding kick, great kick. And uh, there you go. so I was like, hey, I was like, thanks, you know. And so next week, we're all pretty even. And then we go up to Atlanta for a preseason game. And being from Virginia, my parents were going to drive down. And I was like, hey, look. Hey, this is as far as it goes. My parents see me in a, you know, NFL uniform and right. hey, I'm good. They'll be happy. I can wash my hands and then, you know, uh, I can live with this, you know? So, um, and so while we're doing our pregame warm up, Tracy Bennett, who the previous year had been uh, with the uh, Denver Broncos, I'm like, hey man, you know, I thought you had a pretty good training camp. Um, I saw the game where you went like three for four, uh, you know, what happened? He goes, yeah, sort of. I thought, hey, they're going to see what I can do. And, and I thought I did pretty well. But they cut me the very next day because they just wanted to get film on me so they could, I could use that to showcase other teams. Literally, and I shit you not, 
Five minutes after he's telling me the story, as we're wrapping up our pregame warm-up, George Stewart comes up and goes, hey, don't ask me why. I don't know. But Coach Weiss wants Houston to get all the kicks tonight. Then we get Tracy like, all right, hey, at least I get all the kicks tonight and then we see what happens there. So I uh, ended up doing really well on the kickoffs are great. And um, the very, very next day, they actually cut Garrett Alcorn. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. And so uh, the next week of practice, I go 11 for 12. Uh, Eddie Murray goes 11 for 12. Tracy Bennett goes three for 12. And so they cut him before we get to our last, next preseason game, which was against the Bills in Orlando. Um, and how do you so, how do you de- how do you deal with the anxiety as you get deeper into camp, knowing this is a this could be a reality here, and my whole life might change economically, professionally, everything. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was so surreal that I didn't have time to stop and think about it, right? And so. And, and back then, they you, didn't have a practice squad. It's not like they could put you on the practice squad. You either made it or you didn't. Yeah, I think that, I think, because that was the first year of the new CBA. Okay. So I think that was the first year they actually, but they weren't going to waste it on a kicker back right. then, you know? Right. I think you only had like five or six guys you could put on the practice squad back then. Um, and so uh, then it was, it was just Eddie Murray and me. And I, uh, you know, so I go into that next game and I'm kicking off great. And I think I hit like, you know, one or two field goals or something. Um, and I was like, okay, hey, worst case scenario, I can be like the kickoff guy and long field goal guy. And, you know, they'll keep Eddie and, and I can learn from him and all that. And, you know, after the third preseason game, they, they released Eddie. And, um, you know, Sam Weiss called me into his office. He goes, hey, I just want to let you know that you totally earned this job. You were given it. Um, you know, so congratulations. And, um, you know, the story, my brother tells me a story about, uh, I go and call home. And, and back that's when you had the answering machines, answering machines still. And, and my brother is sleeping or something. And, and he hears, I leave the message. I go, mom, dad, I made it. You know, and they're like, call me back. Um, and then, so, yeah, so, you know, I, I go into, um, you know, the fourth preseason game, do really well. And then, you know, then, then we, you know, we open up that season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was the year that Joe Montana was there. And right. I, remember, I remember like halfway through my pregame workout, you know, warm up. He, he, I see Joe, I used to be a huge 49ers fan. And I see Joe Montana come on the field for his pregame warm up. And I'm just stopped there like, Jeez. Like, oh, I got to finish, finish my warm up, you know. <laughs> um, so, it, it, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, to be honest with you guys, like, you know, people tell me, Tom, I need to write a book. I mean, from how I got started, there's so many variables, and if one of them was not a place, it would have never happened. And uh, so I tell guys now who are trying to make it, I'm like, hey, look, 25% of it is you have to have the skill set to do it. You know, the other 25%, uh, you got to execute when the opportunity presents itself. The other 50, luck, yeah. right? Being in the right place. You know, if I wouldn't have gone to Tampa and I would have gone to like the Dolphins and the Vikings, I wouldn't have beaten those guys out, you know? And so, um, you know, very fortunate. Um, I so worked my butt off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's, so let's get into your into your career. So 93 starts with Sam Weish. Talk to me about the – you knew it was kind of a rebuild. Sam was trying to get it going here in Tampa. Trent Dilfer and all the – you know, all that stuff going on. Talk about that – being part of that growth process of a franchise trying to get back on the map. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the first year Craig Erickson was our coach. Um, I mean, our quarterback. Right. And uh, you know, and, and so we had drafted um, God, Eric Curry out of Alabama first, Demetrius right. DeBose back in John Lynch third. And um, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's still all new. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, this is great. This is all fun. Like, I mean, like, again, I just, it was so surreal. You know, I just I didn't have time to stop and think and, um, I like Sam a lot. You know, he gave, he gave me an opportunity. 
and um, excuse me, and, and so you know, I was just trying to you know do my part. You know, I wasn't really thinking about being part of like you know a, a rebuilding of a program. I'm like, I'm just trying to do my job, right? Stay, and, stay around for the and, next week. Yeah, right. You know, and it's just a just a kiss principle. Like keep it simple, stupid, right? You know, and uh, so, but it, it was great. It was exciting. Um, I think we we're five and eleven. Uh, next year, seven. I mean, six and ten. And then the third year was when um, you know we start off five and two. Um, the infamous and, five dash two from Sam Weish. That's five dash yep. two. It was on the billboards yeah. all down here. I remember that. And you created yeah, you know, like and, game winners too. Uh, one of yep. them against Minnesota. I mean, did you have a chip on your shoulder because you felt like Minnesota should have picked you at the time? I know you ended up uh, with Bucks, but you had some extra motivation there, right? Yeah, no, I mean, the Viking, I mean, actually, not really, because the Viking scout was the one that kind of went back and, and wrote up that good report for me. You know, like I said, they had Fad Revez, who was at all pro the year before. So, but it was a division rival, right? And so, sure. um, you know, we, we were three and two. Then, then you know, we played the Bengals, um, big, big storm, and I hit a 53 yarder, and we won. Now we're four and two. Uh, and the next week, we're playing the Vikings. And, and that was a Sunday right before they had the vote for the new stadium for the half cent sales tax. Okay. Right. So, it was one of those things where, hey, look, you know, um, you know, you know, hey, we don't win this a case. W sure would help here before Election Day. Right. Yeah. Right. And as I recall, it barely passed anyway. And so, um, so we, you know, hit the game winner 51 yard in overtime. We're five and two. We're first place in the Central Division. Uh, you know, we're like, oh, my God, like, here we get here we go. Like after so many decades um, and a vote passes. Right. So, um, you know, on a side note, it's pretty funny because. And I was with the Raiders, you know, several years later, Sam Weiss was doing, you know, broadcasting and he pulled me in for a production meeting. And as I was walking out, he looked at me, he goes, hey, Michael, he goes, uh, you know, you're the reason why they got that stadium in Tampa. And I said, only you, <laughs> only you and me, right? Um, you know, and then just kind of, then we lost some and then, um, you know, we ended up seven and nine that year. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, and then I like Sam and, and George Stewart is one of my favorite coaches and you know, they let go of, of the staff and right. I was a restricted, I was a restricted free agent. And so Sam went to the 49, I mean, uh, George went to the 49ers and he said, Hey, we're going to sign you to a restricted sheet. I'm like, man, I, I like the 49ers. Great. I always want to get out to the West coast. And <laughs> so I signed it. Um, reports I had heard were the bucks weren't going to match it. You know, they, they'd already hired Tony Dungy and Tony Dungy call, calls me and say, hey, can you come into the office? I'd like to talk to you. And so I hadn't met him yet. And he sits me down and he goes, Michael, um, you're not going anywhere. He's like, we're going to match that offer sheet. You're going to be our kicker as you get this program going. And, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I was already out here in San Diego and I had put a deposit down in an apartment. I think I go back and forth from San Diego to San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm staying in Tampa, right? And, and I'm fortunate I did. Um, Tony Dungy is, is you know, I tell people, we like the most Christ like guy I've ever met. Um, one of the most amazing men I know. Uh, never heard his raised voice. He never said a you know cuss word in his whole life, and and, and it's just uh, he walks the walk, you know. And and he's a man of and he's salt of the earth. And so uh, I was very fortunate to, to be able to you know play under him for three years. Uh, and, and that's you know that's we after our first year with um, Tony. That's when we switched the uniforms, you know, to the pewter. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about '97. This yeah. year two of done Tony. You guys make a run to the playoffs. I mean, Tony's finally getting the defenses in yep. place. You got all the big boys on defense in place. You guys go 10 and six. You get a wild card berth, and then you beat Detroit in the last game in Tampa Stadium. Talk about yep. the electricity of that of that playoff game. 
Yeah, it, 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 it was amazing. Um, you, know, you know that, it's, hey, first of all, it's the first playoff game that we'd been in in 20-something years. Uh, you know, last, yeah, last game ever at the old Sombrero. Um, and, and it was a home game, you know, so and it was a division, division rival, you know, so it, it was uh, it was pretty electric. I mean, like, you know, I, th I think my hair was standing up, and, you know, we take a balloon and you rub your hair and you hear like, I mean, that, that's how much electricity was going on in that stadium. And it, it was just insane. And, and I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, I just got goosebumps now thinking about it. Right. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was just, you know, really, really remarkable time to be on, you know, on the box to be in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, it, it really see the city just come alive and, and, you know, especially those people. When I, when I first got to Tampa, you'd see all these people, you know, like me, people going, I've been there since day one. I've been there since day one. And, and right. so those are the people that you're like, you know, you're stoked to win for, right? You know, because they, they've, they've seen it all. They've seen the, the worst of it. Um, and it was just, it was a really special time um, in my life and, and to, to be part of that team and be part of that city. And, uh, you know, and, and win that game and then move on to like the next divisional round against Packers. You, you talk Peter. about the, the pressure situations there. I mean, how do you put that out of your mind? How do you not think about, well, if I, if I don't make this kick, you know, basically my team loses the game. How, how do you, how do you deal with those pressure situations as a kicker, Michael? Well, you know, like if, if you're, you know, have to give a big speech in front of like a large crowd, what they say, like try to picture them in their underwear. Right. So, it's, you know, uh, so, you know, no, but, you know, I, for some reason, I've always had the ability, like, when I go onto the field, I just kind of, everything becomes white noise. Um, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I just, uh, um, I don't hear anything. I go down. And, and that's something that just, I don't know if it's just all athletes do it. I know other people have said the same thing. And, and the trick is you just get out of your own way, right? And so I tell guys, just check them out at the door. You don't think. Um, and so... Uh, you know, it, but there's pressure, obviously. Anybody says that they don't, you know, have pressure or they don't feel pressure, they're, they're lying. You know, I remember, I remember watching an interview with um, Jerry Rice, um, you know, who's with the Raiders. He said, man, I've been playing for 18 years. He goes, I still get nervous on game day. Yeah. And so it's all about how you manage it. Um, you know, I did a lot of breathing techniques and, you know, it, it's a, you know, it's a three-pronged approach as far as, you know, being a professional athlete. You know, you, you've got to, you know, practice on the field, have your skill set there, you know, be in the weight room. Uh, but a lot of things that people don't really focus on is, is the mental training aspect of it. Um, you know, if you, when you go to weight room, you have a program that you follow. Um, you know, so mentally, you know, I had a, a mental training program that, that I used to follow. And, and, um, and that way, when I just got to the game, I would just focus on my breathing and let my body do the work. Talk about talk about um, just in general being a professional athlete. The, the you know you have great highs, you have lows as a kicker. Obviously, like I tell kids, I I, I didn't tell you this, Michael, but I, I was a kicker in high school, and college as well. Unlike every other position, you get one you get one down. If, if you're a left tackle and you blow first down, it's second and twelve. Where the kicker, yeah. you don't get a redo. You don't get to you know you don't we don't get to do it again. So talk about the the the, the, the like I said, the keeping the, the even keel. And just the ability to, like you said, really concentrate on it's a one day, it's a one kick at a time moment. The best guys in the league, Justin Tucker, those guys, you just see them, they're able to repeat their same kick every time, whether it's rainy, cold, windy, you know, whatever the circumstances, they're able to repeat the process. Yeah. I mean, first of all, just, you know, I think Justin Tucker is probably the best kicker of all time at this right. point. I mean, 
you know, the guy can sing opera in several different languages. I mean, the guy's just a phenomenon. And, um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you know, that's part that, you know, that's what the game, you know, demands of you. So, you know, you either um, accept it, you know, and, and, you, and you work on it or, you know, or you don't, you know, and, and either you have that, Makeup or you don't, you know, a lot, a lot of it's genetics for guys, you know, who, who make it in the NFL, like for the kicker, like either you have that pop or you don't, you know? And so, um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nervous, it, it's stressful, but, um, but you know, that's what it, that, you know, that entails. So either you want, you can accept it and deal with it, go with the flow, know that they're going to be bad times and as well as good times. And, you know, you can never get too high, you can never get too low. Um, so it, it's, you know, and, and I always say you learn more from your failures and your successes. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to know that that's going to come with it. Um, and, and it's just, you know, at the time, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, I, I just did it. I went through it. And, um, you know, you just have to be able to put things out of your mind. And, and at the end of the day, you just have to have skin like rhinoceros. You just have thick skin knowing that, you know, people are going to talk trash about you or, uh, you know, the media is going to not say good things about you. And, you know, you just have to be able to handle it. What do you think about the NFL rules today with you know, moving up the kickoffs and you know, backing up the extra points? I mean, how, how do you feel you would do today in today's NFL kicking game? Yeah, well, kickoff, that'd be great, right? So it's funny because the kickoff used to be at the 35 when I first came in. Right. And you could use still, still use that three-inch tee. Right. And then my second year, they moved it back to the one-inch tee to 30 because they wanted – more kickoff returns. Right. And now, you know, and they're now like, oh, wait, too many concussions, you know? And, and so, uh, and then, you know, it was, you know, 30 yard line all the way, you know, till after I finished playing. And um, so that, that's pretty fun part of it. Um, near the end of my career is when they had the K-ball rule, but, um, you know, the, 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 the extra point, I mean, it, it's, again, it's a mindset. I would, I would have just approached like a 33 yard field goal. Right. Um, you, know, you see a lot of guys kicking it from the middle. I think I'd probably be in a left hash and, and treating it like a 33 yard field goal every single time um, and trying to do my best to think of it that way. And, you know, like, oh my God, it's a long extra point. I better make it type deal. Cause that, that's when you get a lot of pressure on yourself. Like, I got to make, you know, cause, you know, it's a cardinal sin to miss one. And now I'm still supposed to make it, but it's further back. So, you know, I think I would just approach it. Hey, it's another 33 yard ship shot. All right, a couple more. We'll get you out of here, Michael. Talk about the relationships you created, obviously, with the Buccaneer guys. You were there as part of, especially with the Dungy guys, you were there as part of that building block of what the franchise has now turned into. Just talk about the relationships you probably still have with guys that you lynch and those kind of guys that you that you played with back in the in the late, mid to late 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, I live where I live now because of John, John Lynch. So John Lynch is you know, from Solana Beach, you know, it's North County, San Diego, and um, the first time I ever stepped foot in California is when we played the LA Raiders that year. And then uh, became really good friends with you know, Demetrius DeBose and John Lynch during our rookie year. And John was getting married in the off season. So he invited me out to his wedding and, you know, come out to this town called Solano Beach. I'm like, what the hell is this place? You know, I'm like, I want to move here one day, you know? And, and so eventually I had the opportunity to do so. And, and so I still keep in touch with John, you know, I'll text him beginning of the season. I went up to a game two years ago and, and saw him, you know, before the game. Um, you know, I still stay in good touch with Mark Mayhew's out of GM for Washington. Right. Um, you know, I know I can text Tony and he'll get back to me, but I try to, you know, minimize those, you know, yeah. <laughs> those texts. Um, and, uh, you know, once in a while, I'm still Brad Culpepper, but, you know, it, it's it's all about respect, right? So people ask me, like, oh, did you get a lot of crap when you were kicking the NFL? And, 
You know, I, I didn't. And it's one of those things where high school, you know, all those guys, you've grown up with them. So they don't really give you shit, you know, give you crap, right? Uh, college is probably where you get the most crap because, you know, guys are from all, all over. But in the NFL, you get there, they're like, hey, man, you're here. You made it. You must be pretty good. And so right. I think there's that instant level of respect. And, and uh, but I, I had some really good, you know, relationships with guys in the team. I always made it a point to like not be that quirky kicker. I mean, I, I felt like the best way I could, you know, um, get respect is by hitting people on, on kickoffs. And so uh, being able to hit somebody, uh, being able to stick them, you know, getting your teammates excited, um, you know, that, that gives you a lot of good respect as a kicker, um, you know, on a team. And so, you know, I was cool with everybody, you know, and, and everybody good. liked me. And, you know, I'll go back to games and, uh, you know, uh, when I go back to Tampa, go to a game or something, I'll, I'll see everybody and everyone's like, hey, what's up? What's up, Houston? You know, so it's, uh, so yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and again, you know, like you make it, not many people make it. And so, like I said, no matter what, you kind of have that respect for each other. How much do you miss the NFL and how many times a day do you think about it? And besides the teammates and, you know, the friendships, uh, what else do you miss about the game in itself? You know, so uh, I went to a Raiders Broncos game uh, a couple weeks ago because I wanted to see the new stadium in Vegas, you know, and, you know, pregame warm up and all that I'm watching that and like, uh, you know, I miss being out there, I miss being on the field. Um, I miss the excitement, the, the adrenaline rush. Uh, but probably the thing I miss the most is a locker room. You know, there's just so many great guys, so many dynamic personalities, um, just so many, just it, guys you know, from every walk of life, guys from every walk of yeah. life, economic, socially, politically, everything. Yeah. Yeah. You have a couple of guys come in. They're just like a jokester. They liven up the you know, locker room when they walk in, you know, some guys, you're like, Hey, just leave them alone. But, uh, you know, I probably miss that the most, uh, but I, I just miss the excitement, you know, the adrenaline rush of game day and, um, you know, here in the crowd when you, when you, you know, kick a big field goal or game winner. So those things like that, um, you know, all the bad stuff I don't miss, but, you know, but, um, but, you know, it, it, you know, we can't do it forever. It was definitely, you know, I'd do it all over again. You know, I mean, you know, paycheck aside or whatever, just, just the atmosphere, of, you know, Hey, you worked so hard your whole life to, to get somewhere. And then you reach out at an early age. Um, I think kind of helps you with confidence the rest of your life and, and knowing that, Hey man, I, I achieved something that most people don't achieve. I achieved that early, um, early age. In fact, uh, I was out somewhere, and I think I was at a, at, a, at a bar, and you know, I was just hanging out, and you know, these women came up, started talking, like, "So, what do you do? Like, do you, you have this like this silent confidence about you? Like, you know, some of the like, I don't know, I'm me. You know, like, so someone finally told my play in the NFL, I go, that's why, you know, and, you know, like, <laughs> you, you were successful at an early age and things like that. So, you know, that it definitely helps out. Um, but I'm all about humility and being humble. Um, I, I, I really don't tell anybody what I used to do. Uh, you know, I, I try to let, when I meet someone, I want them to know me for first, you know, and then once they find out, they're like, oh, I can be to tell me. I'm like, I want you to get to know me for me first. And that way you'll like me even more, you know, because someone knows at first and I'm like, oh, I don't know, they're going to like me for me or they're going to like me because of what I used to do type thing. Especially when I was playing for the Bucks and then you meet a woman, you know, chicks or something. <laughs> you know, like, okay, do you really like me or not? You know, like, I'm not going to let you do that to me. Uh-uh, I've seen all those Sean Kemp stories, <laughs> you know, so. Well, man, um, yeah. I mean, well, Michael, man, you had an unbelievable journey to the Bucks. You were a hell of a buck. You were you were there during some great times in the building. You had a great career. We want to really thank you for being a part of the No Quarter Given podcast, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. You're a Buck legend, even though, you know, you. I know you don't want to say that. And he's also, fo fans, 
He was at the he was at the clinching game between the Padres and the Dodgers in the rain when the Padres beat the Dodgers to get to the to the uh, NLCS. That's now tied one one. So it sounds like he's a big Padre fan. Yep. Yeah. Go Padres, man! It's, it's, it's exciting, you know. And, you know, like the, the Dodgers have swept us all season long, and I tell people like, "Hey, look in the NFL, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times in one year." Right. And I said the Dodgers have swept and you know swept us all season long. It's hard to sweep the whole season, and uh, and I knew that wasn't going to happen. Uh, we've got good chemistry, you know, with the Padres. I mean, we got some good bats, we got some good pitching now. So it's an exciting time to be in San Diego, and uh, should be a good series, good pennant series, and we'll see what happens from there. Well, Michael, como esta usted? We appreciate the time, my man. Keep up the great work. Michael's got a great kicking program that he runs out in California, around the country, works with high school and college guys and pro guys. So check out Michael on uh, Google him. You can definitely check him out, and he does a great job. So appreciate the time, Michael. Appreciate you being a part of the No Quarter Give a Podcast. Thanks, hey, Michael. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. All right, take care, man. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Have a great week. All right, thanks. There have been 43 previous meetings between the Bucks and the Panthers three of which took place before division realignment in 2002. The series currently stands 24-19 Carolina, and although there haven't been any really memorable games in that time, there are enough memorable plays and stories to do a feature like this. Now, the first game took place in the Panthers' expansion season of 1995, and Carolina's new stadium wasn't ready, so it took place at the University of Clemson. The score was tied, Trent Dill was out injured, and the pride of the Barcelona Dragons, Casey Weldon, came in to win the game for the Buccaneers. Weldon takes it himself. And he has the touchdown. The quarterback, Casey Weldon, over the top. Now, the 2002 season saw the Bucs twice win games without or scoring a touchdown. And one of them was the road game in Carolina. Now, the Bucs were without Brad Johnson. They had the human sack machine, Rob Johnson, behind quarterback. And it came down to Martin Gramatica to first tie the score and then win it inside the final two minutes. attempt early in the fourth. will try one from 53. Looking to tie the game for Tampa Bay. Tupa is the holder. And Gramatica's kick straight down the middle. And it is good to tie it up at nine. Seven-yard attempt to try to win it for the Buccaneers. And here's Gramatica's kick. It's straight, it's true, and it's good in Tampa Bay with a 12-9 lead and five seconds left. The following years saw some unfortunate moments and results not going the Buccaneers' way. In 2003, they tied the score at the end of regulation only for the extra point to be blocked and they lose in overtime. In 2006, that was the day that Chris Sims had his terrible spleen injury and the Bucks lost at home, Keyshawn Johnson scoring for the Panthers in the opening minutes. In 2007, the Bucks won a road in Carolina and they lost their starting left tackle, Luke Pettigo, to an injury early on. On came a completely unknown free agent, Donald Penn. That one did work out OK because Penn went on to start nearly 100 games for the Buccaneers and proved to be one of the best offensive linemen the Bucks ever had. But then we come to 2008 a Monday night game when the Bucs were 9-3 and three and on their way seemingly to another playoff appearance. But Monty Kiffin announced his resignation at the end of the year to join his son at the University of Tennessee. 
the Panthers ran all over the Bucks for over 300 yards, and the Bucks lost their first of four straight games, which meant they missed out on the playoffs, and it ultimately cost John Gruden his job. But it, this game did feature one of the most amazing touchdown receptions in franchise history. Three receivers, bottom of your screen to Garcia's right. He climbs the pocket and goes left. Oh, what a catch for wow. the touchdown by Bryant. That was unbelievable. Great catch. Now, in their first 36 seasons, the Buccaneers never had a walk-off touchdown. But that changed in the 2012 road game at Bank of America Stadium. It needed Josh Freeman to tie the score in the final seconds with a touchdown pass to Vincent Jackson and then the same combination hooked up for the two-point conversion. In overtime, Freeman found Dallas Clark. Listen now for Chris Myers just slightly getting the announcement wrong as the uh, winning score was made. 20 seconds. End zone throw. Did he hold on? Touchdown, Vincent Jackson. An unbelievable catch. An unbelievable throw. Freeman, end zone, conversion, Vincent Jackson, tie game, from the 15, Freeman, end zone, Panthers win, Buccaneers win, Dallas Clark has the touchdown. The 2019 home game was actually played in London at the home of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and I was calling the game inside the stadium and my somewhat sarcastic commentary on Bobo Wilson not fumbling a punt made it all over the NFL network next day. James Winston threw five interceptions, the Bucks were beaten pretty comfortably and it really was the beginning of the end for James behind centre in Tampa. But then we come to 2020 and Ronald Jones scoring on the longest offensive play in Buccaneer history. Ronald Jones will get a big hole. Jones gets by. Ronald Jones may go all the way. Being chased from behind. Does Jones have enough? Still on his feet. Ronald Jones, 98-yard touchdown. The Bucs have won six of the last seven games against Carolina, and Tom Brady is undefeated in four of those. The Bucs outscoring the Panthers 150 to 63 in that time. But before we go, we have to show a touchdown from last season's win at the end of the season. Scotty Miller scoring on a 33-yard reverse. This is notable because mean Gene Deckhoff was off sick that weekend, and uh, a slight friend of mine took over in the commentary booth. TJ, take it away. Gabbard and some backup offensive linemen too. They pitch to Scotty Miller racing around the right end. 45, down to the 30, down to the 20, racing to the 10. Scotty Miller leaping towards the end zone. Did the feet stay in? It is a touchdown or is he down? They signal touchdown. Will they say he's out of bounds? Miller is in for the touchdown for the moment. And of course, you can catch up on all the previous encounters with the Carolina Panthers on parkpower.com. Every game, every player, everything bucks. All right, welcome back, Buck fans. No Quarter Given podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed our interview with Michael Husted. Michael's living out in California these days, out in the San Diego area, cheering on his Padres. He was at the game last week against the Dodgers. He does a lot of great stuff out in California. He's got his own kicking academy out that way as well. Welcome nice. back, Peter Blake. 
Yes. Uh, let's go to the let's go to Sunday. Charlotte, North Carolina, division game against the Carolina Panthers, who seem to be in full disarray now. You know, Baker Mayfield out. A lot of trade speculation about Christian McCaffrey. Robbie Anderson gets uh, sent to the locker room, then yep. traded to Arizona on Monday. Just your your initial thoughts, Bucks heading to Carolina Sunday afternoon. Well, I mean, who's the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? Does anybody know at this point? Because P.J. Walker's hurt, Baker Mayfield's hurt, Sam Darnold is possible. I mean, who's the quarterback at the end of the day? And because they are in disarray, could they surprise the Bucs if the Bucs play down to that level? The Bucs should win this game by two or three touchdowns at this point. But the way they have played the last couple of games, I don't know if I can say that, but they should. <laughs> they should win this game. This should be a blowout. This should be easy. This should be where people say, oh, Tom Brady's not really washed up. Oh, all those problems on the offensive line. But at the end of the day, it's the National Football League, NFL, which means not for long or any given Sunday or no freaking logic, as my co-host Harry, the Greek professional handicapper extraordinaire, 1252 Chicago Sports would say, no logic at all. So, look, the, the Panthers are going to give them everything at the end of the day that they can handle. They have a better defense, you would say. Than Here's what I would say about the – yeah, the defense yeah. is the point here. Yeah. They gave Matthew Stafford all kind of fits last week for a lot of that game against the Rams. They ran an interception back for a touchdown. So, this defense is good. They're not – they're not laying down on defense. The offense is going to really struggle to get big plays, but they have threats. They got DJ Moore. You got McCaffrey. Again, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback, but again, um, this is, again, you're right. This is a game the Bucs are clearly better than the Carolinas, but you can't play around with this defense because they're good enough to create some havoc, especially with the pass rush. You yeah. got Brian Burns. You got Burns, who's a good pass rusher. You got some good corners. So, I mean, don't. Don't take this game lightly, Tampa Bay. Make a statement for one time this year The if you're the Buccaneers. Yeah, to score 40. You know, just put it, put them out of their misery at this point. They got a new coach. He's an interim coach. Uh, he worked in Arizona, Steve Wilkes. I mean, just put them out of his misery at this point. Put this team out of their misery. Do not have this become something that's close or keep them in the game because – the longer you keep a team in the, the game, the more opportunity they're going to have to basically upset you or do something crazy. We've seen that this year. We have not seen the killer instinct. We have not seen this team play a full 60-minute game. Even the Dallas game, to me, was not a full 60-minute game. They could have played better. In the red zone, they could have scored more points. I get it. Maybe we're a little bit spoiled as Bucks fans, but they got to do a better job of playing 60 minutes, and hopefully they do that on Sunday versus the Panthers. And the Panthers are going to really isolate Kirsha McCaffrey. He's had, he, he's gained a lot of yards over the years against the Buccaneers, had yep. some big games. So, again, Devin White, the safeties, and Levante, those that's the matchup against Christian McCaffrey. So you, Antoine Winfield, you know, Devin combination of Winfield, uh, Levante David Winfield, you got to keep him in under wraps and don't let him destroy the game through the Buccaneer defense. And this proud run defense has got to do a good job on McCaffrey, and you're going to have to do it without Logan Ryan, which is a big-time loss. He's going to go on the IR. No telling when he's going to come back. Keanu Neal is going to have to step up. You don't know about Mike Edwards. So, once again, the Bucs are banged up, but these players are going to have to step up. Where's Vita Vea at? That's the guy that needs to step up on Sunday. He needs to create you know, all that havoc, all that penetration to basically stuff that running game and make the offense one-dimensional. If you can make that team one-dimensional and put it on the quarterback, whomever it is, at the end of the day, I feel like that gives the Bucs a great advantage.
And offensively, let's let's have a little more creativity. Again, doesn't have to be. We don't have to be reckless on offense, but let's get a little more creativity in the in the play calling. Again, I don't have a problem running the ball a, a number whatever number of times you want to run it, but let little creativity in the run game. You know, Rashad White's getting some few more touches. He's doing some decent things. You know, let's misdirection plays. Everything not everything doesn't need to be power up the middle between the tackles. Agree. And uh, who's covering Mike Evans? Who cares? Get him the ball as much yes. as you can. 10 to 12 targets at least on yes. Sunday. And I think you should win that game easily. But you got to get your playmakers involved. Mike Evans is one of your most consistent. Chris Godwin, who's your third wide receiver? Is it Russell Gage? More than likely, Julio Jones won't play in this game. We shall see. But you got to get somebody else involved. But especially... Mike Evans, he's got to have more than four targets. And, and let's play a clean game penalty-wise. Yes. Let's keep it under five penalties for the game. The, the the red zone holdings or the red zone false starts, things like that are the things that are just drive killers. Yep, just nonsense at the end of the day. Instead of, you know, first and 10, it's first and 15, or instead of second and 10, it's second and 15. And, and that puts you in those situations where the manageable third downs are not that great. You want to keep it manageable. You want to be third and three, third and five, third and seven. At the end of that, then that's where it becomes a little bit more difficult. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a nugget. I think don't be surprised if you see this Sunday more hurry up offense, up tempo. Yeah. Keep let almost let Brady. If Brady needs to call the plays, let Brady call the plays in some hurry in in, in a couple of these up tempo situations. Not just in the last two minutes of each half. Let's come out in the game and play some up tempo. Yeah, and if Gedeke struggles at the left guard, don't be surprised to see uh, Levert or somebody else in yeah. there to replace him, even a Brandon Walton, because yeah. at the end of the day, I get it. He's a rookie. You don't want to lose, you know, you don't want to mess with his uh, confidence. You know, right, his confidence at the end of the day, but you've got to get better play out of that position. And we always put the onus on protecting Brady, especially when it comes to the interior. If he feels pressure in that interior, he is going to try to quicken those throws. It's going to yep. ruin the timing. And there's a lot of bad things that can happen, especially hits that Brady should not be taking at 45 years old. Period. And I'll say this. He's not getting crushed in the pocket. Right. If anything, if anything, I'll say is Tom, Tom needs to stand in there just a split second longer and don't be so quick to just throw the ball away. Doesn't I know he doesn't. I know you don't want to get hit. I know you don't want to get hit. Right. There's going to be certain routes that are seven step drops that are longer down the field routes that yeah. you got to stand in there that extra half a second to let the guy run the 20 yard in route or to run the post route. That's the only thing I would say for Tom. He needs to do a little bit better job. Not every single drop back. I get it. But the certain plays when you got a deep passing route called, you got to stand in there. If that means you got to get hit, you got to get hit. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, I think it goes back to confidence in that offensive line. I think it also goes back to, how injured is Tom Brady? How really injured is he? Okay, you think you think he's hurt? Yeah, I think he could be hurt. I think he could be hurt more than a lot of people are talking about. And that that would be a shame, but it, there has to be some explanation. It's not only the time, but it's also trying to throw the ball down the field. You have not seen a lot of it. And if he does throw the ball down the field, he kind of underthrows it, doesn't he? Just a little bit? Again, I'm not. I've just not seen enough long down the field throws to my life. Again, under Arians, we were throwing four, five, six balls a game, 25, 30 yards down the field. And again, even if you don't complete them, 
it opens up the offense to, to now run the intermediate routes. Correct, because they have to respect you at the end of the day. They're not going to squat on your routes. They're not going to think that you're basically a dink and dunk offense. This team can go down the field. If it continues like this, do you think that the Bucks would call back a BA and say, you know what, maybe no, you have no, a little no. bit more uh, insight if you will, on this offensive plate. He's still a part of this Buccaneer organization. Well, don't 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 think Bruce isn't offering up some suggestions during the week. I mean, I can promise really? you he's, he's well, watching the film. He take his red pen like everybody was well, talking about and tell Byron. might be. Why are you running the ball over 20 times versus a Steeler team that has all these players right. out in the secondary? Right. Where is that red pen? I need the red pen back from B.A. <laughs> I do. Where's B.A. hats? Oh, God. Yeah. All right, Peter Blake, give me a prediction. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go 27-13. I, I can't predict a blowout as much as I want to. I still think this parent, Panther defense is going to be something that may be difficult. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying 27-13 at this point. It could be a lot more, and it should be a lot more. But what the Bucks have shown me in the last couple of games, I'm just not sure if I'm ready to go there yet. I'll go 30 to 14. I think the Bucks will come out a little bit more. Again, I think I think Saturday, I won't say Saturday was the absolute um, you know, uh bottom of the of the of the of the of the of the barrel for you, but it was pretty close. You almost yeah. bottomed out Sunday in Pittsburgh. Again, and the sad part is if they stop them, one if they stop them there with four minutes to go, Brady probably goes down and they probably win the game 21-20. Suckup probably makes a kick to beat him to win at the gun, probably if the defense can get off the field, but they couldn't. And, and like, and I'll give Tom Brady credit. He made a great comment. You have to earn them. Nobody's going to give you the W because you're the Buccaneers. You're the big, bad bucks that won a Super Bowl a couple of years. You have to earn it every single week. Yeah. And you can't settle for field goals. I mean, when you're in the red zone, I love Ryan suck up and he's the top kicker right now in the national football league, but that's not what you want to do. You want to score points and it means touchdowns to win games. And when you're in that red zone area, make these teams pay. You're right. No, I got you. All right, Buck fans, we're going to be back. We will have this podcast out earlier for you next week because of the Baltimore game on Thursday. We'll try to have this out on Monday night, Tuesday morning next week, uh, if at all possible. But again, remember, Buck fans, we're going to be at Beefo Brady's, Himes and Bush Boulevard Thursday for the Baltimore game. Pre-game, some halftime for you. We're, come join us. Come have a beverage. Come have a meal. Watch the game. There'll be uh, NBA, hockey, Baseball playoffs will be going on. So definitely come out. And obviously the Bucks game will be front and center there. Beefo Brady. So Beefo Brady's Himes and Bush Boulevard. Uh, Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizzas are presenting sponsors. Thanks to those guys for being involved with the No Quarter Given Podcast presented by BuckPower.com Podcast Network. Thank you, Paul Stewart, for letting us do it another week. And Buck fans, what's there to say? P- Peter Blake, tell me where they can find John Lyon real quick. Yeah, Sports Web Live on Facebook. I love St. Pete, the hub, and Amped Up Sports. And, of course, uh, the Sports Web on YouTube. I'm still with these neighbors here, so I'm going to keep Curfew still in effect, huh? Yes, we're moving next week, so don't Peter worry. is moving on the move. Will not have to have this problem anymore. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. There you go. All right. Remember to check out the Powers of Sports podcast, Florida Football Insiders podcast as well. If you like some college football stuff, all that kind of good stuff. We talk major league baseball playoffs and the powers of the sports podcast, all that kind of good stuff. So have a great week, Buck fans, and let's get let's 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 get them out. Let's go, Tom Brady and the Bucks. Let's get the four and three. We'll see you.
see you next week, Buck fans. Go Bucks! Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.